0: welcome to the tech sales show where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly hey hey bobby what's up brian
1: we are on episode number 141 this is series number 25 we're talking about emotional intelligence and why this is probably the number one most important sales skill out there. And today we're going to talk about toxic behaviors. Um, so this will be an interesting one. It's kind of a list of of uh, seven toxic behaviors of people that have low emotional intelligence and how they how they react to situations and some of the tendencies that they might have. And that the intent of this isn't uh, is is more to to find the worst in us and to draw that out and to kill that kind of stuff, as opposed to pointing at others that have bad emotional intelligence. It's really to kind of look for weaknesses in ourselves is the, really the purpose of this episode.
0: You're such a nice guy, but I I'm going to be thinking of the one person that most attributes all these attributes to, <laughs> to themselves. And I challenge the listener to, to talk, to think through it a little bit. Like who do you not want to emulate because of these things? Right. And, and build that person uh, after this series is done, we're going to do a, a, a listener's choice on how you can in, in, instill an alter ego in your sales approach, uh, and that alter ego can can take on some themes that you, that you want to emulate that you're not emulating now, maybe. Um, I would say the opposite of that is true in this episode. We want you to, to think of the people that you don't want to emulate based on these seven toxic behaviors, because we've probably all seen someone do these things, and we've probably Caught ourselves doing a few of these too, hopefully not over a long period of time.
1: Indeed. So um, if you're listening to these out of order, 140 is probably the best one to start at because we kind of define what emotional intelligence is and what your emotional quotient is, which is really just a kind of numerical measurement of your emotional intelligence. But it's basically your ability to identify, understand emotions in yourself, other people, and use that awareness to manage how you respond to social situations, how you respond to relationships, and how you address relationships. And there's kind of four components of this. We'll break down the, these four in great detail over the next couple episodes. Uh, but there's kind of the recognition side, which is more introspective. That's kind of uh, self-awareness, uh, self-management. It's like, how do, you, how do you regulate yourself? How do you recognize what's going on inside of your head? And then there's a social aspect, which is social awareness—not—not uh, not politically being social aware, socially aware, but more picking up the mood in the room. And then relationship management is kind of how you get along with others externally, which is obviously important for any sort of any sort of sales pursuit that you're involved in, or whether um, you know it's you're trying to move up in the company or get a promotion or change roles or whatever. All these have huge, huge implications, as we talked about on the first episode.
0: Love it. Let's jump in.
1: Let's jump in. So the seven toxic behaviors of people with low emotional intelligence. The first one is they assume the worst in people. So when we make, well, really all day long, we make decisions with incomplete information, right? And sometimes we're really good at that stuff and sometimes we're really bad at it. And It's all about the assumptions that we make to close the gap between what we know in a situation and what we don't know in a situation, And when that incomplete information, whatever that gap is in knowledge, includes what other people's motivations are, people that have low emotional intelligence will assume that that other person is acting with malice or they're acting selfishly versus maybe assuming the best in someone.
0: Man, that's a big one. But as we go through each one of these two, maybe think about the person that is the opposite of these because... I can think of some people that always assume the best in people, and I know they had big, strong EQs, and I I should have emulated some of the things they did, right? But I would be like, man, I can't believe you trust that guy. And they would just be like, why not? They've given me no reason not to trust that guy. What The emotions, you know, that that I, I don't see what you're seeing. And I was making some assumptions, right? Negative assumptions. And they were like, let's just give it a chance. And I think, Uh, we we joke about the partners a lot but you know how many reps assume the worst about partners like they're gonna cut me out of the deal they're gonna take more margin blah blah and that's just a negative assumption that encompasses all partners for some people and is the furthest thing from the truth they would kill to be able to work with us and partner so I think there's there's a lot of situations in tech sales where unfortunately we assume the worst in people and then uh, obviously rumor mills create us an easier pathway for us to assume worse in people there's very few quote unquote rumors or things that pass themselves along throughout the office that are really positive and then those things you know end up giving us the ability to assume the worst in people so i much like i said if i could take 4 seconds and not emotionally react to a statement or a comment or what i think is a is a is a dig at me a lot of times, if you can start a relationship with someone or an introduction with someone and assume that they have better intentions than you do, then I think you're going you're gonna to do better in this, in this bullet, in this bucket of information about don't assume the worst in people. Um, toxic, low EQ people assume the worst.
1: Indeed, and, and some, some of the psychology behind this says that they end up projecting the worst tendencies of their own nature on other people. So it may be a more of a reflection on you than it is on, on them, right? Like if you think that's, you think that all rich people are stingy or greedy, like maybe you're stingy or greedy, right? Like maybe if you're, if you're filling in the gap, like if you think they made a, a short term decision to, to, you know, screw someone out of money here or there, and you didn't have complete information on the incident, maybe it's because that's something that the worst of you might have done.
0: Yep, I love the, you, it. That's very, very true. I, I have no doubt, um, that that's the case, or I've also seen something very similar where it, it's happened to you, right? Maybe, yeah. maybe I've been overcharged <clears throat> at a, at a, uh, by a consulting firm or something. And then I assume all consulting firms are going to overcharge me. So it's not necessarily, it could be me and my lowest, my lowest trait, but it could also be because it's happened to you in the past, and then you just start assuming that about other people, which they're not even connected at all. If you took a step back and thought about it, those two consulting firms have nothing to do with one another. You're you're making a terrible assumption.
1: Yeah, and all of these things, certainly including this one, if if this is if you go through life thinking this or living this way or constantly re- reacting this way, that's a hard way to live life, just in general. And you'll you'll find this about all seven of them. It's a hard way to live life if that's the way that you're going through it. Um, the second one is, they. This is you really got to bifurcate this one from the first one because it is completely different in so many ways. But they assume things, period, or they assume things in general. So some people automatically assume that their experiences are typical and therefore they can extrapolate those experiences that they've had to fill in the gaps through what other people have gone through. Uh, so if they grew up with a certain type of family, they assume, and maybe even just completely subconsciously, that everyone else did too, if they have certain political feeling, like this is certainly a big part of the Facebook uh, and Twitter feed right now. But if they have strong feelings about a political topic or a moral issue, that the right, a right-thinking person, someone that only only the way they feel about this, they must be thinking the right way. They can't. They have to see this right. They have to see that the right is bad or the left is bad or the right is good and the left is good. Everyone like. How could you think anything other than than the way I think here? And and so they're in, they're surprised. They're you know sometimes they're embarrassed or ang- certainly anger. We've seen a lot of anger. So, you know again we're we're kind of ending the end of COVID right now. Uh, there's been a VP nominated nominee come up. Uh, got an election coming up, and um, they get angry when people don't agree with their perspective. How could you not agree with me? You're assuming that everyone feels the same way and they came from the same background as you.
0: No doubt. With tech sales, uh, the assuming rep uh, gets themselves in a lot of trouble too from a standpoint of, I've been there and seen it where they assume the customer has no other choice. What? The, the customer always has choice, right? They could do nothing. You could, I could run through a list of all things that a customer has a choice to do instead of buying my product. And they get way too too focused on the fact that the customer has no other choice so we're gonna win and they don't do their hard work that that ultimately will win that and I've seen many winnable deals lost from that perspective right um, they assume there's no chance they can win right there's that they have that that bias to the fact and the manager has you know talks negatively and doesn't get the team excited because there's no way we can make our number they just assume it and I think that just portrays a very low EQ and keeps people, under-motivated, unmotivated, and is a bad, bad sign for a tech seller.
1: Yeah, to further your second point there, we, we've, we talked about this probably six months ago. We talked about how, what if I think so often we'll approach our quota as, like, I need to get to 100%, and of course that's the goal. We want to get to 100%, we want to exceed 100%, and that means I need to get five deals a year, 50 deals a year, 500 deals a year, whatever whatever where's you're selling, whatever you're selling, you've got a goal to get to that to that target. And we kind of make these really interesting trade-offs to say I'm, I, I'm going to approach my territory this way because it's this many deals to get to this number. What if the goal? What if we just forgot about the goal and we made the goal, 200 percent? Or what if it's a really really terrible year, but we assume that, or we we think like th- it could turn in the second half. Like I'm going to approach this in a really positive behavior. Or I'm going to approach, to further the first point, I'm going to approach my territory in a way that I'm going for 200%. I'm going for 300% of my number. We all know those people that perennially hit 300% a year, 200% a year. They, those people don't make assumptions about the economic decline continuing or about oh, if, if management just didn't have me fill out this one thing on this CRM tool. Like they're not looking for opportunities to make excuses about things. They're looking for opportunities to exceed, because that's that's really what that's what winners do. That's what people that uh, aren't average do.
0: Brian, those people just keep getting lucky time and time again. You hear it all the time,
1: don't you? <laughs> I hear it all the time. Lucky, lucky territory. Um, you know, lucky, they're riding the wave. That's what people used to say at Microsoft. Oh, they were, that person just knew how to ride the wave. Okay,
0: good for them. Like, yep. good for them. No question.
1: Um, the third one, uh, this one, like when I was reading through this and preparing for it, I, uh, I paused on this one a little bit. Um, but they forget names. And um, no one remembers names perfectly. Uh, but people that have low emotional intelligence, they don't hardly make the effort. And this one pierces really, really hard for me because uh, we had... Uh, our good friend Jonathan Schwartz, that we worked with at Spark, we were owners together at SparkHounds uh, back in the day, and we worked at Microsoft together for years. Um, we he said something to me at lunch one time about how so and so is is leaving Microsoft, and I and I thought I don't I don't know who that I don't know who you're talking about I don't know who that is. And uh, he was like, "Well, that's it's uh, our admin, that, you walk you walk by uh, her every time you get on the elevator. Every time you go, you get off the elevator on the fourth floor in Microsoft. I would go to the office every day. Had, didn't know her name at all. Didn't make the effort at all. And th- it's like the perfect example of me having so... It's such a terrible approach. It's such bad emotional intelligence to not make the effort. It's not that I thought I was better than her by any stretch of the imagination. It's just I didn't put in the effort to even care about it.
0: Yeah, I... I've learned to fake this one a little bit as I read this one and I think through it, I'm like, golly, I have low EQ because I'm really bad with names and it's not, I think some of it's because I I probably haven't cared at times. And then some of it is I just, that's not the thing that registers for me more about their, who they are, what they do, how I can help them, how they can help me. That's kind of more what I do put in the memory bank in the Bobby database. Um, But I, I do try hard to ask their name, how do you pronounce your name? Because I, I've read How to Win Friends and Influence People. I know how important people's names are to them. It's the
1: sweetest-sounding
0: name. I, yep. I fake it. I try really hard, and then I do. I still do forget. And at times I'm like, yeah. You know, let's use a golf example. Meet random people on the first tee and say, hey, shake hands, what's your name? And they tell me their name, and like literally four <laughs> seconds later I'm like, Oh, my God, I don't remember their name. I sure hope someone calls them by their name, like, nice shot, Ted. Okay, it's Ted. I will never forget that. Um, I'm not that good with names. And so maybe it's something I still need to keep working on because I do know people that are really good with names. Take a Jonathan. um, And they probably have facets for sure, if not all across the board, a very strong EQ because – they are aware how sweet it sounds to other people and how important it is for people to know their names and just what that does to build connections and, and really fits into all of those four quadrants because you do keep up and know people's names. When we I, say- I have a terrible example of one that was an executive. I've, I've probably told the story before, but worked for EMC, took a customer to Boston, was gonna play in a big golf pro-am with the top 100 players of the world. Um, I was getting to caddy with a big-name pro. It was super exciting. We had a happy hour to meet these 30 customers that were playing in the 30-person pro-am the next day. And a big executive met my customer sequentially, no die, no lie, three times in less than a five-minute span period through this little happy hour walking back and forth. Every time, said, what's your name again? What's your name again? (laughs) And we told them, and... Was excited, you know. Oh, super excited about the business you've been doing down there in Houston. Thanks for coming. Look forward to hanging out with you over the next couple of days. Hope you enjoy it. Can't wait. Literally circling around there. You know, his handlers moving him around. Meets my person again. Never knew he met him. Never knew he met him. That's great. And uh, it just shines through. It's horrible. People um, do better than that. That's all I'll say. Do better than that.
1: Yeah, and so we we refer to it a couple times, but um, the sweetest sounding. Uh, word in the English dictionary is your own name and that's from the uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People The was it 1967 Dale Carnegie book 47?
0: long long so, time ago
1: yeah it's an old book but it's it's a goodie I, I, it's it's a terribly named book like you'd think that that's like the most egotistical name in the world but it's How to Win Friends and Influence People if you've not read it you can read it in one day I made my son read it when he was 13 years old and uh, he still laughingly refers back to it sometimes it's a great great book um, number four is they turn the conversations toward themselves. gosh this is like if you could some if you could say what is emotional intelligence in one care in one negative characteristic this is it um, this is something I struggled with the most the most recently of all of these probably and actually somebody's probably listening to this saying no 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 you struggle with like this and this and this <laughs> and this but they turn the conversation to themselves it's a it's such a terrible characteristic like, Um, it's, it's whenever there, someone is telling you about, um, you know, like the most egregious example of this is somebody is telling you about how they, how they stubbed their toe when they were walking to their desk and you're like, Oh yeah. Well, one time I broke my toe when I was walking to my desk, you know, it's, it's like one-upsmanship. It's, it's not allowing the other person to be another person and to have experiences and to be inquisitive about those experiences. It's just being all about yourself.
0: Boy, when you said that, and and this is a name that jumps out to me, and if you're listening, you'll probably giggle if you watch any TV with this person on it. But A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez, is the absolute world's worst about this. If you watched any of the Shark Tank episodes where A-Rod was on the Shark Tank, the the entrepreneur could say literally anything, and A-Rod would go in this. Well, in Major League, there's a similar situation when I hit – 47 home runs that year and just instantly tell you know, takes one conversation that has nothing to do with what Arod's about to say and turns it into a story about his baseball career and is so egotistical, so self centered that it just it it damages any conversation he could have learned about that company he's gonna invest in. And he does it on TV when he's broadcasting for baseball. My wife and I both absolutely cringe when Arod starts to talk because we know it's gonna be a baseball story about him.
1: But Bobby, he's rich. Doesn't that mean yes, that he, he has high EQ?
0: No, he's not. <laughs> uh, he's a cheater too, but we'll talk about that some <laughs> other time.
1: Yeah, that's that's like if you could encapsulate uh, EQ into one thing, it's uh, it, or if you could just do one thing really, really well. It, it, if you can if you can nail this, you can nail a lot of it. Because to do this, is it's multifaceted to be able to, because you have to be able to recognize... The conversation happening you have to you have to focus in on the person you're, you're more likely going to know their name right because you're you're being intentional about the conversation you are listening to the conversation and you're finding opportunities to ask follow-up questions tell me more about what happened okay so you went so you, you said you went to the lake house this weekend I, I met you you said that a few weeks ago do you did you have a friend or family that has a lake house do you have a lake house Cool. That's cool. So is it like actually on the lake? Do y'all have a boat out? You know what I mean? Just finding opportunities to ask questions because uh, they are a the person with their own experiences. And if you do want to learn more about them and to build a relationship with them uh, for whatever reason, uh, that's the way to do it.
0: No question. And and last thing I'll say on this one is at times I find myself literally having to stop myself because I got something I really want to share. Yeah. That's exciting. But it's it's really not worth it to the other person, right? In in a world today, where uh, separate tech sales from flight school, if I'm at the flight school, a lot of the people that are around me are really young, twenty-something-year-old kids that I could trump their story all day, every day about what <laughs> I've done and what I've accomplished, and it it doesn't do it doesn't do our relationship any good, and it would probably demoralize them to some extent. And so I, I try to be excited about their stories. And I am excited about their stories, but even when I'm not, I try to act excited and I try to make sure that they know they got a long way to go in their life and I just I keep trying to build them up. It doesn't – so it's not going to do any good for me to tell them, you know, um, about – you know, two of them got their marriage license this week. It's not going to do them any good for me to tell them about when I got my marriage license and the, the line I had to stand in and blah, 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 right? It's just yeah. not – it's not going to do any good for anybody.
1: Indeed, and Bobby, the fifth one, and this is this one really closely dovetails, the fourth one is they speak more than they listen. Uh, so obviously that's that's a very obvious one. But a way to um, get ready for this and is to wait before you are. You know how like we got something at the tip of our tongue, we're ready to talk, we're ready to throw it out, we're ready to get involved in the conversation. It's to it's to say the word wait, which is why am I talking? And it's a brilliant way of thinking about it. Emotional, emotionally unintelligent people don't wait. They just, they're ready just to spurt it out, to throw it out, to turn the conversation back to them, to get people ooing and aahing about their stories. And I, like, what I was really bad at, and people may say I'm still bad at it, like, what I, 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 you know, you and I used to run marathons together, and um, I used to do a lot of triathlons, and I, I would, this is so cringe worthy, like, to even say this, but like, I would, find opportunities to bring that stuff up and that's the worst of me is to to find opportunities to inject that into a conversation but it really harkens back to the question which is why am i talking why does that matter why even bring that up anymore and it's we all have these tendencies we all have these stories you know what does it say like how do you know if someone's in crossfit because they talk about crossfit how do you know if someone's a vegan because they always talk about being a vegan um, that was me with triathlon for a number of years is that I was always looking for a way to inject that into the conversation. And that's a very low EQ thing to do.
0: Well, you are, and we're a beast, so it's okay. I give you the pass cause, uh, it was worth hearing about in many cases. Um, and you mentioned it, but wait, it stands for why am I talking, uh, W A I T, why am I talking? And, and does it make sense to continue that talking if you if you are the person that's speaking more than you listen? I think I I did it to try and show my intelligence. There's a million excuses why I did it, but I can relate and think back that many of the people that I've always admired or thought highly of, they they always had this ability to have that long pause, right? Um I've I've I use the long pause now to uh create uncomfort in the room when there's a discussion going on right to think through something before I speak um it that I think that's the biggest piece is just pause and then really think about what do you need to say and kind of make it as concise as you can and then then listen um you will be better for it and if you're on a team your whole team will be better for it for sure
1: number six is they multitask um not against multitasking, I, on occasion, um, I will listen to a podcast while I'm, you know, working on a spreadsheet or whatever. Um, but we live in an era where it's like, it's focused attention and being able to do one thing at a time feels like a luxury, you know, because there's so much going on. But emotionally unintelligent people multitask during conversations and interactions with other people. I can still think back to a conversation I was having with a boss years and years ago, Right when the Apple Watch came out, and we were in the middle of a one-on-one where we were talking about, you know, he had asked me some questions about my career, and I was working towards a certain goal uh, that was very important to me. And in fact, he was incredibly helpful at me helping me achieve that goal. But I remember his during that meeting, his watch kept ding, you know, like that we've all heard the Apple Watch ding, you know, when a, a text is nope, coming in or email's no coming in, and he kept flipping his wrist up and looking at his watch, and I'm like, like, come on, like we're talking about my career here. Which, again, is a little bit unintelligent, emotionally unintelligent for me because he's got a life and he's got things he's thinking about. It's also emotionally intelligent for him to be multitasking and not investing in the conversation at hand. Um, It's very close to not learning uh, people's names. It shows a lack of interest or respect for another person and not being able to slow down the
0: conversation and focus on what's happening right now. Yeah, I don't take this bullet at all about being a productive worker being able to work on things. I think this one, the the big bullet here is are you in the moment when you should be in the moment? And I think the, the lesson a mentor gave me that I've talked about over and over is, you know, during that one-on-one you really should be able to put your phone in a drawer and not worry about it. Like it, it's only 30 to 45 minutes of time. Like what really bad can happen Um, even the worst case scenario of things that could happen in your life, you're not going to be able to make an impact in that 30 or 45 minutes. And you can do that, uh, in a, in a one-on-one with an employee, those things like the one that you just shared, Brian, they stick with people forever, forever. And so uh, the one that kills me is a phone that's on rings and people look at it. And they look at the number and they're as if they're deciding whether or not that's more important than me. <laughs> yes. And then they actually tell me, "I've got to take this one. Like you got to take this one. Is it the president? And you have keys to some nuclear bombs? like why do you got to take this one? And it it's disrespectful. It, it and to me, I, I challenge people now because this is one that I don't struggle with anymore as it relates to being in a meeting or doing something. I will I you know, when I have a problem with someone and I wanna address it or we talk through it, and they, they they somewhat bring up that I'm not focused or whatever, I, I will ask how many times have I ever answered the phone when you and I have been meeting? And then how many times have you done it, right? I mean mm-hmm. it's a big, big swing vote in my opinion, on whether you're bad at this or not, right? And the phones killed the f- killed my kids, killed America as far as I'm concerned, people are way too attached to them. Um but it is a true sign of whether or not you multitask in a negative sense, like what this is talking about, for sure.
1: Yeah. And this is one, uh, to be clear for the folks listening that know me, uh, this is one I still struggle with because um, God, like like everyone else, I have a lot of things going and it is a, a, it's a crutch for me to allow myself to get distracted. I think people that... You know, there, there are circumstances to where like you could be awaiting a phone call that's important or you got a you know pregnant wife or a sick kid or something. And I think that the best thing you can do in those situations, if you are, you know, that that boss at that time may have been looking for a there may have been a challenging situation going on at home. And ahead of that conversation, like ahead of that one on one that he had with me, a good way to approach that would be like, look, hey, I'm, I'm waiting on some news. Um, so I'm I'm here for this conversation. I just wanted to let you know if I if I flip over and look at my watch it's because i'm 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 waiting on some you know we have a challenging situation going on here
0: that's Uh, a great point i've used that many times uh and very recently actually where someone was coming that they very rarely can come meet with me they weren't going to spend a lot of time but they had to spend three or four minutes with me and i was i had a very important one-on-one phone call and i told them i said look i I have cameras in this building when this person gets here i've got to pause for five minutes and go meet with them. I apologize. It has nothing to do with you. It just has to do with the rareness of this opportunity. And they, they volunteered to come by now. So, And that I think everyone gets that. But it is the constant looking and distracting. And, and I'm pretty sure you know that that wasn't about a baby on the way, Brian, on that given day or something. That That's pretty obvious. But I do think if people call it out, it does make it a lot more noteworthy. If you do glance away at times.
1: Yep. And then the final one that we'll cover today, and then we'll wrap it up, is that they have nothing to add. And sometimes they think they have everything to add, but they have nothing to add. So this may seem like the opposite of number four and five about speaking more than they listen and turning the conversation to themselves. But people that have low emotional intelligence um, can can certainly manifest it by those, those two by being domineering, but they can also be completely passive in the conversation. And sometimes they follow up you know, they may follow up one-on-one with someone and say, yeah, I didn't say anything because I, did. I, I just disagree. Like, this is ridiculous. I just disagree. But somebody, that's that's also a measurement of low EQ. I'm sure we've had this experience. We've tried to keep a conversation going. Um, and we, out of politeness um, or social convention, um, we just kind of keep a, a weird dialogue going and instead of killing it. Or uh, we have a leader presenting something or a peer presenting something, and you know we're, we're letting them dangle right and we're not actively participating and creating dialogue it's also maybe multitasking maybe they're thinking maybe you're thinking of something maybe you're working on email or re- responding to texts or something but um low eq is not being this kind of goes again back to being in the moment and participating in the conversation and making it a dialogue not following up after the meeting saying yeah i didn't say anything because what they're saying sucks um or letting, like again, let, letting really awkward conversations, uh, you know, continue on without, uh, without getting to the point in a conversation.
0: Yeah, I've definitely seen this, uh, probably more from a manager perspective than a team member perspective, where a manager would let someone fail, like they they would, they just got tired to a point mm-hmm. where they didn't want to deal with something, so they they kind of just let someone be on that island wish them the best. They, the, you know, and I can remember, yeah, maybe that person doesn't have all the greatest ideas, but they probably could contribute. Right. But the the difference in those situations I do remember was, you know, they didn't see eye to eye on other things and this created some of that. Um, I've definitely known the know-it-alls, the person that had everything to add, but uh, kind of leads back to four and five. But um, this is one where, you know, I hear it more in my wife's political... You know, she works for the school district, and there's a ton of stuff going on in the school district right now, and no one knows how they're going to solve a lot of really big problems. And all there's a huge majority of people that just aren't saying nothing, but they bitch a lot on Facebook, you know? And, yeah, Um yeah. They're experts on Facebook, but they don't bring any of that conversation to a meeting with the school board or the greater good. Um, and they're letting other things drive some of their intentions. But, you know... Don't be the person that has nothing to say, but but say it the right way if you're going to say it too. I think would be my closer on that one.
1: Yeah, it's a great way to put it. The it's so it's so much easier for someone to put together a one paragraph response on Facebook after writing it and rewriting it for an hour, versus being able to be engaged in a conversation and have that point at the tip of your tongue that's well thought out and re- well researched. Um, it's so much easier just to complain about it afterwards. Like people that have—that's what people with low EQ do. Like people that are that are ready to engage and ready to be open to new ideas and ready to debate their own ideas. Uh, those are you know those are the people that uh, progress upwards in a company because that's what if you think about like what what companies are looking for. Certainly in tech that we're in, but any company is they're looking to kill the bad ideas and improve on the good ideas. That's all they want to do is get better and better and better. If you have a room full of people, a room full of salespeople and all you know you're, you're kicking out ideas but it's not getting challenged and there's not healthy debate and people are like arms crossed, this is crap. Why am I having to do this? how on earth could you think that you're gonna be someone that's promotable? Like you have to be there with good thought, good debate, push back, that's a good idea. That's a good idea except for this. We're not thinking about that. That those are the kind of people that that leaders want to promote up in the organization. And if you don't have those characteristics, why would they move you to a VP role?
0: Like well, you're not you going to
1: better the organization.
0: You made me think of one more point. I know I said I made my last one, but um, this is the opposite of a challenger sales rep. Yes. So if if you're going to add nothing, um, then you're definitely not a challenger sales rep. You know, tech sales managers want challenger sales reps, whether they know it or not, they might not have ever read the book or heard our podcast, but they want challenger sales reps and customers want challenger sales reps. They want people that are going to have things to add that are going to provide some insights to their business and, and challenge them. Customers, they they can go to any company and tell them what they want to buy and how many they want to buy and have a rep order that for them and fulfill that order but but customers want, and they've lost it. We've all lost it. We're tired of being telemarketed to. We're tired of getting the emails because it's the same old story. How much do you want, you need this. But but people want someone who's not just gonna keep their mouth shut and their arms crossed and wait for the next order. They want you to provide value. They want you to talk about things that are going to make their business better. Um, good point on saying the challenge, You know, talking about things to make those ideas better. But in that, what we're all trying to do here in tech sales is make customers better and provide value so that we can sell more stuff and make bigger checks.
1: That's it. And with Bobby, with that, we'll wrap up. Thanks everyone for listening. Average sucks. Average the enemy. Average is the enemy. Don't be average. Thanks everyone.
0: Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sale Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sale Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.